Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I recently had my very first sighting of a cryptid. I was working at a national forest as a park ranger and got the job temporarily full-time. I was to replace a maintenance worker for a couple of weeks while he went away on vacation. In the meantime, I got up bright and early to go out on a run, come back to the cabin I currently live in at the campground, and got dressed for work. A couple of days before the incident at hand, I ran into a young woman as she was leaving her campsite. She said that she had just arrived and woke up to a strange noise in the middle of the night. I find myself driving down a lower road used for maintenance workers, and I approached a clearing with a dirt berm on one side. It is there that I hit something with my truck, and it nearly threw me out of my seat. Once I regained composure, both mentally and physically, I hopped out of the truck to see what it was. What appeared before me was not man-made, at least not by human hands. Jumping back into my truck, I did a quick three-point turn and went back to camp. It was there that I grabbed my rifle from the cabin door, strapped it into the gun rack in the truck, and drove onto the dirt berm. As I got out of the truck, at about 100 yards from where I hit it, whatever it was was now standing up on two legs with its arms held straight up in the air, like it was reaching. My first thought was that this was a wee-wolf or some sort of Bigfoot. I did what anybody would do in this situation. I raised my rifle and fired one round directly at the thing's head. The bullet hit true right between the thing's eyes, killing it instantly. Standing there for a few seconds, looking around, thinking just how lucky I was that nobody else had come across this thing, only to get back in my truck and go about my day. 
That night after work, when I got back to camp, I took a shower before dinner. The next day, when I got to work, my co-worker came to ask me if anybody else saw what I hit the other day. Of course, I asked why he wanted to know. He told me an officer from the sheriff's department stopped by and was asking if anybody had gone to that clearing and hit anything with their vehicle. When I told him about my incident, he told me he would talk to the officer for me. I have a bad feeling about this. Telling my story has gotten easier to think about over the years, but the end of this incident was the hardest thing for me to accept as fact. I've told one person for thirteen and a half years. I'm anxious already, but here it is. I'm doing this now mostly to get it out of my head and off my chest. Thinking about it sometimes gives me anxiety. I don't know how people talk about these experiences. It was so unexpected. I have been hunting black tailed deer in Washington State for more than 30 years. This was a great day for hunting, with hard rain and gusty winds. I was boat hunting and heading to my area. It's just over six miles away. I made it to my tree, took up my pack, and started to prepare my tree. I was ready to toss the rope over a branch when I heard a deep-voiced child crying out. It sounds completely nuts, but it's 100% true, and it's the only way I can explain it. It sounded like a deep-voiced child. No words, just moans and crying. As soon as I heard someone needed help, I grabbed my packing bow and headed in that direction with urgency. It is much farther than I originally estimated. There was an old overgrown logging road with some trees broken and bent down on the side. I guess the hole was naturally created on this road. The heavy rain pooled up in an area and sunk in around seven feet deep. It was such an abrupt fall I worried about sliding in. As soon as I arrived, I announced I'm here. It's going to be okay. I tied the rope to a tree. It stopped making childlike cries. All I heard was an off-and-on slight moan like an odd hum. I continue to believe it was just a first-season young hunter that was extremely scared, maybe injured. It's okay, kid. My name is Tony. What's yours? I tied off my tree hoist and tossed it. Then, as soon as I released the rope into the hole, all hell broke loose. I'm getting goosebumps right now. It was crazy. The trees, less than ten yards away, swayed and some snapped off. Then a horrifying growl started. With a deeper growl, it was exactly like an angry bear. I pulled up my 10 millimeter from its holster and slid on my butt in reverse. I just knew that a large black bear would sprint out of the trees any second. I had a flashlight in my pocket. I pulled it up and held it down into the hole while pointing my 10 mile at the trees. I was so confused when I saw it. I began to feel like this couldn't happen. I started to think I was losing it. Then I got my first look at what I thought was a child. It was a child, but not a human. I panicked, fell backwards, dropping everything, including my tin mile. I quickly crawled forward, scratching the earth for my pistol. My heart was beating so hard that I thought a heart attack was coming. I could hear my heart beat. I estimated it was just over five feet tall with hair all over it. There was mud and debris knotted to its hair. It was clearly scared and was slightly limping on its right side after it exited the hole. The adult in the trees was very tall, with more hair and wider shoulders. They walked away. I sat in the same spot, three feet from the sinkhole, with mud all over me and my pistol sitting on my lap. I just had to catch my breath. I couldn't understand that these animals were real. Later, I returned home and knew if I didn't come back, I would never hunt again. I went back the next day. I just stayed on the road the whole time. My hands shake a little. I didn't hunt, I just looked around. Then I relaxed a bit. I came around the corner on the logging road, and right in the middle was my tree seed and two other things I dropped on my way out. Then I noticed they left pine cones for me. Grass and branches were also stacked. I think they wanted me to have it. I honestly don't know for sure, but it was directly on top of my stuff and assembled deliberately. Thanks for letting me get this off my chest. I've been afraid to speak of this all these years, though my wife knows about it.
So I wanted to tell a story that happened to me and my grandma. So basically, my family owns a piece of land near, quote, Redacted Lake. Not a big piece of land, but it's enough to fish at. So basically, my grandma and I were out on that piece of land. Our land is covered by trees. So we were having a fun time fishing when we heard a sound. Now I know a sound in the forest. Wow. But it kind of freaked us out, so we started packing up. We packed up and started heading to our car. At that point, it was turning dark. At that point, we hear a scream or like a howl. Those sounds that they make on finding Bigfoot. It came from out left in the woods. We were shocked and just stood there. At that point, to our right, we hear another howl. And then another from behind us. At this point, my grandma and I start boating to the car. We just drop our fishing supplies and boat it. We make it to the car and just reverse as fast as we can and drove out of there, probably breaking the speed limit. Located in southwest Pennsylvania, my story unfolds in Washington County. I live near Washington, Pennsylvania. There has been a variety of mysterious creatures and other strange animal encounters reported in this area for a long time. New home construction seemed to be causing these creatures to seek refuge in the surrounding woods. One creature seen in the area is a large wolf-like animal. While little is known about this elusive creature, reports suggest that it possesses traits similar to both wolves and other large animals such as bears and mountain lions. But some people also claim that it has human-like qualities and features, which is what I feel is the most disturbing part of its existence. I've lived my whole life in this area. When I had my encounter, everything changed. I work as a freelance writer and researcher. It was early morning on January 1, 2012. I had just gotten out of bed after staying out longer than I had wanted at a New Year's Eve party. I was mad at myself for sleeping in and getting ready for my day when I heard this loud noise coming from outside. When I looked out the window, I was shocked to see a large, wolf-like creature standing in the middle of my backyard. The creature didn't match anything I'd seen before. However, it looked like the creature I had heard stories about all my life. It was easily twice the size of a normal wolf, but had human-like features such as its eyes and feet. The mouth was sliding gape, showing its sharp teeth. The menacing beast was just standing there, staring back at me as I watched it through the window. I didn't know how it knew I was there, and I couldn't figure out what to do about it being in my yard. I stared back at it, trying to figure out what this creature was. The truth is that I was a bit excited to see it. I mean, this was the culmination of all of my childhood fantasies and dreams about strange creatures. It was almost a surreal moment for me. But after standing there for quite some time, the creature finally turned and ran off into the woods. Without a second thought, I grabbed my coat and rushed outside to try and follow it. But by the time I got there, it had disappeared into the trees. I stood in the same spot it had stood in, but could not see anything out of the ordinary. I looked around, but there were no footprints. So it seemed necessary to walk over to where it entered the woods. As I approached the edge of the woods, I was shocked by a sudden loud howling. I was now scared and felt like I had pushed too far. I started to slowly work my way toward my home, hoping that the creature would just leave me alone. But as soon as I left the woods, it let out a loud growl and then lunged out of the thick cover. I turned 180 degrees from the creature and ran for my life. I reached my house and closed the back door behind me. But the creature was right there as it smashed into the door, shattering the glass and sending splinters of wood flying through the air. But it didn't get through the door. It stood steady and stayed in place. I was now in the kitchen and grabbed a knife in case it found its way into the house. But by the time I turned to look, the creature was gone. It was as if it had vanished into thin air. I was left standing and wondering what to do next. I called the police and reported the encounter. Over the next few hours, there was a search for the creature, but it was never found. At least that's what the authorities said to me. They told me there was nothing to worry about. 
The next day, a crew of some sort showed up with cameras and what looked like detectors. However, I have no idea who they were or what they were doing. For me, the creature will always remain a mystery, a sign of something more out there in the world. It's as if I got a glimpse of what could be lurking in the shadows, waiting for the next chance to strike. That reminder is enough to keep me on my toes for the rest of my life. Terrifying as it was, I'm actually grateful for that encounter because it validated a lot of my life's interests. This incident occurred in November 1991 near Falmouth, Kentucky. It was early afternoon. I worked on a 160-acre farm at the time. One day, while eating lunch with a friend, I was told that hunters sneaked onto the property. I finished lunch, got my gun, and walked down the fence row. I planned to cut into the woods and sneak up on them. I had been out there for around 45 minutes to an hour and was walking through the woods when suddenly something stepped out from behind a tree. I yelled, friend or foe, and pointed my gun at it. I couldn't believe my eyes, because there standing in front of me and my gun was a three-half-foot-tall, unknown, gray-colored being. Suddenly, I felt the being talking to me telepathically. I had the feeling that it was a young female, and it was scared and telling me it was planning to run up a small knoll. Then it ran up that hill. I followed it. Then there was a flash of light, and a portal or door opened out of nowhere. It was about four feet wide and eight feet tall. There was a bright light inside, and I could see that it was filled with a small being. Now it looked like it was wearing a tight-fitting black suit of some sort. Suddenly, out of the corner of my left eye, I saw what looked like something running towards me. I wheeled around, and right in front of me was a lizard-like humanoid about five to six feet tall, and it held a long staff in one hand. The humanoid's face was more insect-like and had blue eyes. Again, I felt it was the small female being's father or guardian. At this point, and to my right, a seven- or eight-foot-tall, brown, hairy, bigfoot-like creature instantly appeared standing nearby. I didn't hear it speak, but I heard in my mind, No, don't hurt him. Just then the lizard-looking humanoid looked right at me, and its eyes changed to yellow gold. I then ran. When I did, I suddenly found myself alone in the woods, and it was nighttime. I stood there in shock for a moment, trying to collect myself. I then walked back to the farm. Once I arrived at the farmhouse, I found another farmhand that said he thought I was lost, as they had been looking for me. I didn't say anything about my encounter. It's been 32 years since that incident, and I've never experienced anything like that again. New hunting camp, first year in, peak of the whitetail rut and my dad has to head back early for work. I was 16 at the time and really wanted to stay and hunt. Friend of my dad offered to drive me back three days later. Sweet. That night the guys decided to watch the movie Congo. If you've never watched it, major premise of the movie is an expedition party getting torn to bits by genetically modified apes in the jungles of Africa. After the movie, my dad's buddy explains that he has the perfect spot for me to hunt tomorrow. It's a raised levee in the middle of a swamp, a natural funnel that should have plenty of deer crossing in the uh, ME. Only issue is it's about a one-quarter mile walk through waist-deep water to get there, but he has a pair of chest waters I can borrow. With a smirk, he says, unless you're too scared to hunt there after watching that movie. Of course, I'm not going to admit I'm freaked out a bit, so calmly say it's no issue. Next morning, with a smirk, he drops me off in the middle of this swamp. Tells me he'll be back to pick me up at 11 a.m. As the taillights disappear through the cypress trees, I contemplate just sitting down and hunting the road. That movie did mess me up and trudging waist-deep through this swamp, following a questionable bright-eyed trail with my dim headlamp, doesn't sound great. I muster up courage and start trudging in, though. Just as I'm about halfway in, waist-deep, every step a challenge due to sucking mud. 
I hear the most ungodly noise. My mind must be playing tricks on me. There are no monkeys in Alabama. Another hundred yards in, and I hear it again. This time closer and very clear. My God! It sounded like a gorilla. I'm now doing my best to run through sucking mud. Gorilla noises coming from the trees all around me. I'm literally yelling. There aren't monkeys in Alabama. Over and over at the top of my lungs. Just as quickly as the noises came, they left. I did eventually find a stand. The next four hours were me clutching my rifle, safety off drawing on every little noise I heard in the woods, contemplating my sanity over what I'd just experienced. Honestly, the walk back through the swamp might have been worse, whole time scared out of my mind, wondering if I should even speak about what I experienced. I meet them on the road at 11. Instead of it just being the one guy, it's actually everyone in camp in one truck. I didn't say anything, but the look on my face must have conveyed my experience. They immediately start laughing their asses off and ask to hear my story. As I start telling the story through their belly laughing, I am now convinced they played a trick on me and were hiding in the trees waiting to scare me. I'm telling them they should be glad I didn't blow one of their heads off. The truth is actually much stranger. Yes, it was a setup from the get-go, but it wasn't them in the trees. History is a bit murky on how they got there. Some say it was released pets. Some say it was a previous landowner who released them on purpose. But there was actually a troop of uh, howler monkeys that lived in that swamp. They had discovered this on accident, but had been waiting to pull this prank on someone like me for years. They still laugh about it every time they see me. I agree it was a good prank, although it messed me up for a while. Go watch a YouTube video on what howler monkeys sound like. Now imagine yourself in a swamp, up to your waist, feet stuck in mud, mind fresh with vivid images of gorillas ripping people's heads off. In the 90s, I was on a week-long backpacking trip with my uncle in the Colorado high country. He was a professional rock climbing trail guide at the time, so he knew his stuff while off. Grid. The second day in, we were following some old trail that hadn't been groomed in years and came across the outskirts of some random commune deep in the woods. We knew there were people there because we could see campfires and laughing or talking in the distance. My uncle immediately freaks out, tells me to keep quiet, and then made us backtrack nearly five miles and then around. It was the first and only time I've actually seen him panic off the grid. Afterward, he lectured me that it was some kind of small sect or cult that had a rep for being very territorial in the area at the time and was known to shoot at trespassers without provocation. I've been a hunter all my life, so it was supposed to be a routine grouse hunt, just me and the tranquility of nature, but as I ventured deeper into the woods, the atmosphere changed. The trees grew denser and sunlight struggled to penetrate the canopy, leaving me in an eerie, darkened realm. My instincts urged me to turn back, but something pushed me forward curiosity, perhaps, or a hint of excitement in exploring the unknown. With each step, I felt the forest closing in around me, its silence broken only by the occasional rustle of leaves or the distant cry of a bird. Little did I know that my journey was about to take a surreal and terrifying turn. As I followed the winding path, I suddenly caught sight of a massive figure in the distance. It was like nothing I had ever seen before. Towering at least nine feet tall, with wide shoulders and muscles rippling beneath its stringy hair, the creature moved with a grace that defied its size. Its long arms swayed rhythmically, and its powerful thighs propelled it forward. Like an ancient predator prowling the shadows, trying to comprehend what I was witnessing, my mind fumbled for words to describe the monstrosity before me. 
a half-gorilla and half-Neanderthal man-type animal, was the closest I could come to describing its unsettling features. It had hardly any discernible neck, and its head tapered to a cone. Like point, the creature's presence exuded raw power and primal intelligence, making me acutely aware of my own vulnerability. Fear and adrenaline surged through me, but my hunter's instincts kicked in. My heart pounded as I aimed my rifle at the creature, steadying my breath to take the shot. I had to protect myself, but more importantly, I needed to know what this creature was, where it came from, and what it meant for the natural order of things. With a deep breath, I pulled the trigger. The shot echoed through the forest, and I watched the bullet hurtle towards the unknown beast. For a split second, it seemed like my bullet had found its mark but my hope was crushed as I saw the projectile bounce harmlessly off the creature's skin. It was as if the skin was made of some impenetrable armor, rendering my weapon useless. The creature didn't even flinch. It stared at me with eyes that seemed to pierce my very soul. But before I could react further, it vanished into the forest, blending seamlessly with the shadows. I stood there dumbfounded and perplexed unable to process what had just transpired. Nothing in my hunting experience could explain what I had encountered. Was this some ancient, mythical creature long believed to be extinct, or had it emerged from the depths of the earth itself, a harbinger of a new and untamed era? As I made my way back to civilization, the forest felt different, changed. The woods that had once been familiar and comforting now held secrets that sent shivers down my spine. I shared my bizarre encounter with fellow hunters and researchers, but most dismissed it as a figment of my imagination or an exaggeration. It was 2014 and I was eight years old. I don't remember the exact month, but I'm pretty sure it was December. Strange things had happened in the house in the previous days. Strange shadows and continuous nightmares while I slept, which is why I always slept with my mother that year. I don't remember the exact date it happened. However, that evening my father was working the night shift, so my mother and I were home alone. My mother was sleeping next to me, and I woke her up telling her there was something in the corridor because I heard noises. She said it was just the wind and turned back to sleep. I couldn't sleep, and after the umpteenth noise, I opened my eyes. In front of me, to the side and in front of the cot where my mother slept, was a gray figure with thin legs and thin arms. It held up one arm to indicate something, with the hand parallel to my mother's face, which was turned onto the back of the bed. I closed my eyes, hoping it was a nightmare. Then I opened them again, and it was still there. Lying in bed, it seemed to reach up to the door handle, which is next to my bed. So it was not higher than 60-70 centimeter. Perhaps it really was taller, and it was because of the perspective that it seemed short to me. At that point, I closed my eyes, and now that I think about it, stupidly enough, I reached out to try and feel that thing. I wanted to see if it was real, or if I was dreaming. My hand touched something sharp and cold, and I spun around, closing my eyes. I don't know if what I touched was the thing or the metal frame of the cot, but I think it was the frame. A few minutes later, I turned around and opened the thing was gone, so I figured it was all a dream and then decided to sleep. Suddenly, inches from my nose, a round gray thing appears in front of the headboard. I start to scream, but no sound comes out of my mouth, so I blink, and the round thing is gone. I try to fall back asleep and succeed, but I don't know if I was abducted afterwards or if it was all a figment of my imagination. After that, still in that period, end of 2014, beginning of 2015, when I was trying to fall asleep, I remember that my father was also in the house. I heard a voice saying, ah, food. I never understood what it was. Over the years, I've thought several times that it was my father who watched something on the phone before falling asleep. However, I couldn't close my eyes all night. Three other similar cases have occurred.
Once I saw a dark shadow breathing heavily beyond the door that separates the living room and the corridor, which is made of opaque glass. Another happened the following year, when I was changing in my room and I heard a growl from the corridor. I immediately closed the bedroom door without reopening it until my parents arrived. The last one happened two years ago after I fought with my father. While I was alone in the room, I jokingly said, Aliens, can't you kidnap him for a few days? And I received a hoarse and disturbing no as an answer. I still remember it like it was yesterday. I didn't just see shadows. Three years ago in August, while I was in the courtyard at about four in the afternoon, I saw a gray figure materializing out of nowhere. The figure trudged a few steps in wide strides before disappearing after stepping onto the first step to ascend up to the house. It was slightly shorter than a person, with long arms and legs. I remember it had four fingers, and it stared at me before vanishing. I will never forget that look, a white-toothed smile and almond eyes. My folks were next to me, looking in the same direction, but they saw nothing. When I told them what I'd seen, they said it was just a trick of the lights. I also was touched and perhaps about to be kidnapped. At the age of ten, something grabbed my head and dragged me out of bed. I woke up screaming and putting my hands on my head. I had time to touch a pair of wrinkled hands before my parents woke up and the hands let me go. My parents came to see what had happened, finding me on the floor, groggy. They told me it was just a nightmare, but I'm sure it wasn't. I had the last experience last August on a Wednesday at midnight or noon. I watched Netflix on my computer while playing games on my phone. The light from the computer quickly illuminated a hand seemingly connected to nothingness, trying to touch me just above my left knee. Without telling my uh, sleeping parents and without shouting, I turned on the lights immediately, but whatever it was was gone. My mother had similar experiences to the first I related to. Once she saw a short, huge-headed humanoid figure spying on her and my uncle from the front door to their bedroom. The second time, a similar figure spying on her from behind a radiator on the corner on the way to my grandma's sister's house, which is attached to my grandma's by a corridor full of windows. He never told me when the second happened, but the first happened at night. Another thing about my mom is that she always sees a black figure before a family member dies. She says it's death, and I believe her. He saw her before my great-grandfather passed away, then before my great-grandmother passed away, and last time in 2020, one at the end of May, about a week before my grandfather died of a heart attack. My grandmother and her sister also had weird experiences. Shortly after my grandfather's death, from the corridor going to my grandmother's sister's house, for a few nights, they saw a bright red dot floating in the sky. It rose above the horizon, moving up to the chimney of the house closest to them, to then rise into the sky and disappearing over my grandmother's house. I don't know why they never took pictures. They say it was a drone or a Chinese lantern, but I don't think a Chinese lantern takes the exact same route some nights in a row. Maybe it really was a drone, though, but not having seen it, and the two of them not being very adept at identifying modern technology, I can't be sure. My grandmother's sister had the last experience I want to tell you about back in 1960. She never told me the exact year or month. At the time, she was still living in Olgit, Camasco, Italy, the birthplace of my mother's maternal branch, with my great-grandmother. She was coming home from work, and night had just fallen. To get home from where he worked at the time, she usually passed through a wood that has now been replaced by a few houses. On the dirt road, he punctured a wheel on the bike he usually used to travel there. A few minutes after she started shuffling behind her bike, she saw lights in a clearing, and never scared easily she approached. A similar event had also happened a few days earlier, but it was explained as the lights of a demonstration or a discotheque that opened in a small village near his home, whose name I don't recall. And I don't know if it still exists. What he found in the clearing, however, was a series of stationary lights, within which other series of lights spun in opposite directions. 
these lights then suddenly turned off when she got home, my great-grandmother asked why it had taken so long. My grandmother's sister, looking at the watch on her wrist, saw it was 11.30 p.m. This is when she normally gets home around 9 p.m. She told my great-grandmother everything, but I don't know what happened next. She never wanted to know what had happened to her. Near where my grandmother and my grandmother's sister grew up is Lake Como, Italy, and several times they have seen Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Seen what they call heat lightning, basically ball lightning, and they said that the red ball they saw wasn't a ball lightning because it lasted too long and was always the same. And my aunt said it's impossible for so many and as big as the lights she had seen in the 60s to form. I live in the suburbs of Abbiacagrassa, province of Milan, Italy. This is located just next to the Ticino Triangle, perhaps the hotspot with the most UFO sightings in northern Italy. Nearby are the Camry military base and the state powder magazine in Romando. So, I don't typically believe in this kind of stuff, but I had a very strange encounter a while back. I told my co-workers about it, and they insisted I had seen a rake. I've been researching since I had no idea what it was. It looks very similar to what I saw, except it's a fictional creature from Creepypasta. Just learned about that, too. So I'm not sure what I saw. Anyway, I was driving home from work about a month or so ago and headed down this typically busy side street in Douglas County, Colorado, called Havana. It's close to Centennial Airport in a business district surrounded by apartments. It was about 1.30 a.m. and there wasn't much traffic, just a jeep in front of me. As I drove around a bend in the road where Dry Creek turns into Havana, I saw in my peripheral vision a figure to my right on the sidewalk standing between two small trees held up by wire supports. The creature stood kind of behind them. At first glance, I figured it was just a tall, slender dog, like a white greyhound or Great Dane. It escaped and seemed to bark at traffic on the sidewalk. I was traveling about 45 miles per hour when I passed, and it was dark out. But I noticed as I passed by that it appeared to have a humanoid-shaped head with black eyes. It also had a bent over hunched back, long slender legs, and an unusually wide mouth like it was screaming or something. I thought to myself, yo, what was that? So I slowed down quickly to look back, and in my mirror, I saw the creature turn around and run off towards a fence or brick retaining wall on the other side of the sidewalk. But as it ran off, I saw how tall and slender the creature was. It seemed very pale, almost gray, with an anorexic and bony appearance. It also moved strangely, where its hind leg joints were inverted and bent in the opposite direction from its front legs. At that point, I was seriously creeped out. The jeep in front of me had also slowed down, so I could only assume they saw it too. We both continued driving as it was late or early and couldn't stop in the middle of a busy road. However, that situation really made my skin crawl. I checked my mirrors for the rest of the drive home. I debated if I should call a non-emergency line to have an officer check it out, but I told myself they would think I was an idiot. Now, every night when I take that road, I look around to see if I can spot it again. I really want to believe it was just a dog. However, I can't stop thinking about how strange and quickly it moved with its backwards knees and how long or wide its mouth stretched. I haven't talked about this much except to some family and my co-workers because, frankly, it sounds ridiculous. 
I'm wondering what I saw. And if it's something I should talk about, or should I pretend I never saw anything and move on with my life? I like exploring derelict houses. There is a lot of development where I live, so there are a few empty houses awaiting their fate at any given time. Right now I can think of four within walking distance of my house. One night I visited an old farmhouse from the 1850s. It was in quite good condition, but sadly was about to be demolished for a new housing estate. I usually go alone, but this time I brought my wife with me to see if she would like it. I had briefly been in the house before, but wanted to go back to have a proper look for anything I could save before the bulldozers arrived, so I was carrying a pry bar. I'm always cautious that I could disturb squatters or vandals. It hasn't happened yet, and I have been in at least 50 houses, so I did a quick look through the house and propped a chair behind the front door as the lock mechanism had been taken. The side door was open, but I figured that if someone walked in that way, I would hear the crunch of the broken glass on the floor. We were standing in the kitchen, and we clearly heard footsteps walking through the dining room towards the kitchen. My wife freaked out, so I held the pinch bar up and walked towards the dining room door, saying, Yes, can I help you? Which I figured was defiant enough to let whoever it was know that I wasn't scared of them, which may or may not have been the case. The dining room was empty, the noise stopped, and the only sound I could hear was the flapping of the roller blind in the wind due to the broken window. See, it was just the blind, I said, banging the blind against the window. To prove my point, the wife was not convinced and practically dragged me out of the house. We jumped in the car and she locked the doors. It wasn't the blind, she said. It sounded different. I heard footsteps. She was right. I later went back to the house alone and returned with some nice French doors which, after a lot of restoration work, are now part of my own house. Weeks later, Carinha Cottage was demolished in a zero-salvage demolition and replaced by 97 tiny new houses, all of which look the same. Back in the late 80s, my father was stationed at a base in Central California that is no longer an active base, but all the building and housing are still there, but it's all private now. Mind you, I was about six years old when this happened. One day, my father became ill and was rushed to the hospital. They found that one of his intestines had ruptured. Doctors were baffled as to the cause, but regardless, they saved his life. After a couple of weeks in the hospital in recovery, he came home to our on-base duplex. Next-door neighbor heard about what happened and was actually shocked. Said that the same thing has happened to at least three other people that lived in that exact unit. Three that he knew about anyway. We had only lived there for less than a year before my father's incident. Strange thing is, no one else in our household was affected or had anything similar happen. The past tenants that the same thing happened to were also all the enlisted party of the family. No one else in the house and all families had problems with a ruptured intestine. All four people this had happened to were all in the time frame of about five years. The other weird part about it is that all three people had different jobs, so this didn't appear to be an occupational hazard at all. One was an office worker, my father, and two others did work on aircraft, but my father did ComNav. Nav, one was a fuel troop, and not sure about the other. So exposure to some chemical or environmental event doesn't seem to be the factor in this. The base housing was built in the early to mid-1940s. It's now low-income housing. But it only really appeared to be our unit that had anything like this happen. Coincidence, something about the house that would cause this. Not sure, but it does strike me as odd. I work as a field biologist, and this last summer I had what I would call my closest experience with the paranormal. We would drive around on a TVs all night with spotlights looking for prairie chickens. 
One night, my boss and I were working together. Our co-workers were at another site about five miles away, and we'd made plans to meet up if either of our groups finished up in our respective areas. Anyways, it's about four o'clock in the morning, very dark out, and my boss and I both noticed the grass on a hilltop opposite us was illuminated, as though someone had parked their truck on the other side and turned their brights on, lighting up their side of the hill. It was coming from the direction and general distance our trucks were from us, so my boss and I decided to head that way, assuming our co-workers were meeting up with us. We drive the half mile to the hilltop when we finally crest. All we see are the reflectors of our parked trucks in the distance. No lights, no vehicles, nobody nearby. Mind you, we were working in incredibly remote areas in Wyoming. The roads in and out were treacherous. There's no possible way someone snuck a truck in and out to spook us without us seeing them. This was prairie. We could see everything around us for miles. We saw that light, but now it was nowhere to be seen. Anyways, that was weird. Someone sketchy is walking around my neighborhood, which is in a semi-large town, 44,000s. And we don't live in the best neighborhood. Not sure what they are up to, but I thought I heard someone walk by me a few times, but couldn't see anyone. I was outside gardening low. It was 12.30 a.m. Then I took a call from my daughter. In order to not wake everyone, we have thin walls and neighbors close by, I started walking away from the houses towards this large, empty lot. As I'm walking, I thought I heard a noise, so I turned around and started heading back towards my house and saw this shadowy figure holding a super tiny light of some kind. As soon as they saw me turn around and start walking back in their direction, they ducked behind this big bush. I made a comment to my daughter that someone moseyed on behind this big bush real quick in front of me, but still thought maybe they lived at the house the bush was in, and that they were cutting through to a back door or something. But a few seconds after I said that to my daughter, the person hopped out from behind the bush in an almost exaggerated fashion and started walking directly towards me. Not sure what the hell that was all about, but I didn't stick around to find out. I cut through the empty lot at a diagonal to get back to my house. Update. I was really on edge after that, but trying to finish moving some flowers I had already pulled. I was working on the front side of my house. The house is on a semi-busy street in the same one the person had come from before hopping into the bush. As soon as I was done with the front, I went to the side of the house because I had about ten plants I was relocating. I was already thinking that whoever it was before, if it was me they were after, wouldn't know I had moved to the side and might be more comfortable walking right by again. About ten minutes after I'm on the side, I see a guy walking really slow down the sidewalk directly in front of my house. He scared the shit out of me because he was only about ten feet from me when I saw him and I even said he had scared me to death. He stopped and said, well, at least I got a chuckle out of you then. Then he proceeded to ask how I was doing tonight. I was polite, but short, and just said I was doing good thanks. I didn't even ask how he was doing in return because it creeped me out that he had stopped to talk to me at this time of night. He then continued walking to the end of the block, which is also where our lot ends. We are on a corner. I have some hedges that run parallel to the sidewalk and go from the spot I first noticed him and continue to the end of the lot. The guy keeps walking until he has passed the hedges, then turns around to look at me, but given the location of where I was, it would have been hard to get a clear image of me. He walked across the street to where a school is, then turned around on the other side of the street, so he was now facing me, and he just stood there and stared while smoking his cigarette, the light I thought I initially saw. He stood there for a few minutes, and I went in to get my son to come out with me while I finished. He is 19. When my son came out, the guy had already walked past then back again and was heading back for a second time. My son stood in the middle of the sidewalk and just kept an eye on him. He passed us and got to the end of the other side of the block. He turned around as if to see if my son was watching him still. He was. 
He stood to bear staring at us for an eerie length of time. Then B finally walked away. I do some solo rock climbing on Yosemite big walls from time to time. It's not free solo, the ropeless slip and die version, as I'm still roped in and have various safety systems in place, but it's still damned unsettling to be on cliffs alone. Last fall, I soloed a 1,300-feet route on the Washington Column called the Prow. It took me three days. The first night was horrific because a severe thunderstorm rolled in. I spent the entire night shivering wide awake, 500 feet off the ground, as the heavens were rent asunder all around my portalage. That was downright terrifying, especially considering that I was a bit of a lightning rod with all of my aluminum equipment. After I descended two days later, some hikers I bumped into mentioned that they had seen lighting strike the top of the Washington Column that night. But the most eerie thing I've ever experienced was the whiteout. Between the thunderstorms and pouring rain on the first and second days, the fog would roll in and start to thicken. At its worst, visibility dropped to 15 feet. On the ground, that qualifies as more than creepy. 500 feet up a vertical granite face and totally alone. It is disorienting and nightmarish. I could see 15 feet up left and right before the rest of the granite faded into the fog. But the worst was looking down into a white abyss. Not seeing another human for three days was weird, but not seeing the ground for several hours scared the bloody shit out of me. Your world condenses to a tiny bubble, and there is nothing to orient you in space but gravity. The closest thing I could compare it to is closing your eyes and floating underwater. It's that level of sensory deprivation, but with a horrifying knowledge that you are utterly alone and isolated. I had similarly terrifying experience the previous year on a solo ascent of the West Face route on Yosemite's Leaning Tower. It's a 900-feet route that consistently overhangs 10-15 degrees. On the second day, I was behind schedule and was finishing the last bit of climbing in the dark. The very last thing I had to do was ascend a fixed rope attached to my camp, about a 100 feet above me. Ascending the rope involves using clamps that cinch on the rope and allow me to pull myself up the rope only without needing to use the rock face itself. However, the rope hung vertically, and with the overhang of the face, I was about 20-25 feet from the cliff. I had my headlamp on and made the mistake of looking down to see. Nothing. Not a damn thing. There was just a black pit below me as I was too high for my headlamp to illuminate the ground. It was like seeing the blackness of space except beneath you and with no stars. Just like the whiteout on the Washington Column, not being able to see ground is a really disconcerting and disorienting feeling. I noped the F out of there pretty quickly and spent a fairly pleasant night 50 feet from the summit before descending the next day. I was in Alaska studying dormant volcanoes as a field geologist, and most of these trips consisted of 30-day solo excursions, with a sample drop-off every week or two depending on how remote the survey is. I'll never forget on my 26th day, hundreds of miles from any sign of man, and as I descended the mount walking, maybe a mile off was a man. So naturally, I gave the universal greeting of holding my whiskey flask into the air as high as I could, hoping he would see the sun glimmer coming from it. And indeed he did. My solidarity had probably gotten the best of me, considering I hadn't spoken to anyone else for weeks, and I probably shouldn't have approached him. But I was so lonely. He raised his rifle as we got closer and made me dump my rucksack before he lowered it. From the contents that poured out, it appeared he was interested in trade. I followed him back to his camp, which later I realized was his home. It was a shanty wooden hut in the middle of the woods. I realized he had been there for years. He had a rain barrel and no electricity, with multiple animal hides drying out in the sun. 
He descended upon my whiskey stash, and soon I had given him all my salt, pepper, Tabasco, and just about any other flavoring I had brought with me. He was fascinated by a small solar panel I used to charge my GPS and phone. He had been in the wilderness so long that the panel only became commonplace after he went off the grid. He had never heard what 9-11 was. Halfway through our meeting, I realized he had a motive behind speaking to me. He had seen me gathering samples the days before and was worried my company was in the exploration phase of mining. I explained to him that wasn't the case and I was representative from the government. Verifying the volcanoes were classified as dormant correctly. Immediately his demeanor changed and he grabbed his nearest rifle, forcing me to leave, because I said I work with the government. In hindsight, I should have understood a man like this had very little care for government. He walked me a few miles away and told me never to come back and tell my boss the same. I promptly moved onto a new section of my map and marked the features in the area around his hut as classified correctly. When I was about 12 or 13, my mom, two sisters, brother and I were driving home from a nearby very small town at about 2 a.m., a commute that we often made to see family who lived there. The drive to and from was only about two to three hours, depending on traffic. However, since it is desert landscape with nothing but flat cracking sand and a few scattered succulent plants, it could often feel much longer. Because it was dark, we didn't even have that to look at. We resorted to playing different road trip games to pass the time. We were all too young at the time to have any entertaining technology, and to keep my mom awake as she had trouble driving at night. After driving for roughly an hour and a half, we crested over a hill where we could see the next larger city in the distance. The city's lights making the overhead clouds glow, and the moon sitting low in the horizon to the right where the clouds tapered off a bit. At this point, we were all completely engulfed in our game until suddenly an insanely bright and basically blanding green flash lit the horizon, looking like it burned hot white towards the middle. When I say green, though, I don't mean a green like normal green. I mean a weird, almost toxic and yellowish-looking color, but still astonishingly bright. It lit the horizon from end to end as far as we could see, and then disappeared as if being sucked away just as swiftly as it appeared, like when someone covers a light source with their hand. At the same time it disappeared, every single light in the city we could see in the distance shut off at once, like a snap of someone's fingers. This scared me because I had seen power outages, and usually they go grid by grid, not all suddenly together. The weirder thing was that the headlights to the car turned off as well, but not the car itself. My mom pretended not to freak out for the sake of us, but as the oldest I could tell, she was genuinely scared. We kept driving for maybe a minute and a half before everything just popped back on again, like someone plugged everything back in. Again, not grid by grid like I'm used to. I researched later the next day to see what it could be and saw the green flash phenomenon, but saw that that usually only occurs at sunset. Also tried to see if it could be some sort of power plant thing, but it wasn't that either. Still don't know what it was or what could have caused it, as we were nowhere near a military base or testing ranges of any sort. I used to live in a quiet, remote village nestled among the picturesque landscapes of Sweden, about 40 kilometers northwest of Köping. It was the kind of place where everyone knew each other, and life moved at a pace that was more attuned to the rhythm of nature than the hustle and bustle of city life. Our village consisted of no more than ten houses, creating a close-knit community where everyone looked out for one another. One summer day, when I was around eight years old, the sun was shining brightly in the sky, casting a warm glow over the lush countryside. I was out biking with a couple of my adventurous friends, eager to explore the outskirts of our village. 
Our destination was the old abandoned train station that stood as a relic of times gone by. It had an air of mystery around it, a place where imagination could run wild with tales of the past. As we pedaled closer to the train station, the sense of curiosity mixed with a hint of trepidation. We were about 40 meters away when something caught my attention, a glimpse through a second-floor window. There, standing in stark contrast to the surrounding decay and desolation, was a black figure. It felt as if its eyes were piercing through the distance, fixing directly on me. I couldn't help but gasp and point. My voice tinged with a mix of astonishment and unease. Look, do you see that? I asked my friends, my voice quivering slightly. They turned their gazes toward the window, their eyes widening in pure terror. Their silence spoke volumes, and I could tell they had seen it too. The figure stood there, shrouded in darkness, an enigma against the fading light of day. We didn't exchange any words, but the unspoken understanding hung heavily in the air. We needed to get out of there, and fast. Adrenaline surged through our veins as we abandoned our bikes and ran, our hearts pounding in our chests. Fear lent wings to our feet, and we didn't stop until we were back in the heart of the village, panting and trembling. It was a feeling I will never forget, the primal fear that had gripped us, the sensation that we had encountered something beyond our understanding. We gathered in hushed whispers, recounting what we had seen and experienced, our young minds struggling to process the inexplicable. Over the years, the memory of that encounter never faded. Doubts crept in. Had it been a trick of the imagination, a result of our youthful curiosity running wild. But as I grew older, my conviction remained steadfast. To this day, I firmly believe that what I saw in that second floor window was real, a glimpse into a realm beyond our comprehension. Perhaps it was the spirit of a long-lost soul lingering in the shadows of that abandoned train station, or maybe it was something else entirely. Whatever it was, that moment ignited a fascination with the unknown, a curiosity about the mysteries that lie beneath the surface of our world. The small village and that abandoned train station hold a special place in my heart, forever linked to that summer day when innocence collided with the inexplicable. And while time may have passed and life may have taken me on different paths, the memory of that black figure remains etched in my mind, a reminder that the world is full of wonders, some visible, some hidden, and some that only a few are fortunate enough to glimpse. I'm late to the party, but years ago, some friends and I were going to have a campfire at a lake late at night with copious amounts of alcohol. When we got there, we had to drive around a barricade, and one of the cars got stuck in the mud. While trying to get it unstuck, I looked around and made a joke about how we were definitely in the beginning of a horror movie. We all laugh about it. We get the car out and continue to the lake. Get all set up. Fire is going. Music is playing. Drinks are flowing. We're having a great time. All of a sudden, some random guy comes walking out of the woods with a beer. I get nervous. Everyone else tells me I'm being paranoid since I watch a lot of scary movies. They invite him to join us. He ends up sitting next to me, but a few feet away. I go to grab another beer from the cooler, see the hatchet that someone brought, and I decide I'm going to hold on to it. I sit back down, and this random guy makes some comment about he can see my jugular and wants to bite it. I'm ready to piece TF out, but I, of course, didn't drive. A little while later, he makes a comment about he should have brought his chainsaw. I'm completely alone in thinking this is going to end badly. I move across the fire and closer to the cooler and one of my friends. I set the hatchet next to me, try to ignore the guy and enjoy my night. Fast forward a bit, and the guy is making more weird comments, so I reach for the hatchet. It's gone. I start glancing around. Discreetly at first, when the guy smiles at me from across the fire, and goes looking for this, and holds up the hatchet. I said of all of this, I'm leaving and managed to get one of my friends to leave. The next day, everyone said that nothing more happened, 
but as someone who has seen a lot of movies, I wasn't taking any chances. I am white, but I'm not laugh or a crazy guy with a hatchet white. I called an elk to camp, was camping with my family in our luxury camp kit. I have three types of camp kit. This one has a blow-up mattress. I blow it up with an accordion-style raft pump. This pump makes what's best described as an elk mating bugle. This is no cell service deep in the woods type of camping. It was also rut season. Sitting around the campfire after wife, daughter, and dog went to bed, I heard a large creature about 50 feet from me. Never saw it, but the mass and noise makes me think I called an elk from across the valley. Another story. Wife, sister, and boyfriend flew into town and they wanted to go camping. Was driving down a very rough road quickly. Vehicle is modified and I enjoy off, roading, to an awesome campsite that has a bluff to sunrise and sunset with one road in and out again very deep in the woods. Everyone was falling asleep on the drive, so nobody else saw. Driving down the road, the largest cinnamon bear I've ever seen jumped in front of my forerunner, ran 100 yards, then ducked out. We were maybe quarter mile from where I planned to camp. Bear was the size of my forerunner from the windshield forward, guessing 1,200 plus pounds. We did not camp where I planned. I'm comfortable with bear while I camp as they are usually six. Seven hundred pounds black bear and I have safeguards to fight that off. Not this bear. I could double my mice and guns and still wouldn't mess with that guy. Decided to hike up map warning, Queensland, Australia. At about 10 p.m. at night with my girlfriend. We were planning to hike up through the night, which was about three, four hours, camp and smoke weed at the top, and then catch the sunrise. Foolishly, we were hiking with a single torch and an iPhone light, about halfway up and it's pitch black. Really quiet, super creepy. We decide to have a break and take a seat on a log to chill. Out of nowhere, we see a light way below us on the mountainside. It looked like a headlamp. Okay, so maybe some else is hiking up in the middle of the night. Kind of freak, but whatever, we push on. For the next hour or so, I would keep checking behind us and catching this light tracking behind us in and out of the tree line. We finally get to the summit, which turns into a scramble and make it to the top. There's a platform up there, so we set up and relax. I'm kind of sketching out. The weed isn't helping, but looking around expecting someone else to show up but no one came. We unpacked sleeping bags, eat some food, and no off to sleep. I woke up about 4 a.m. as the sky started to brighten up and find backpack gone with all-out stuff and sprawled out across the platform. It was dead silent and just super eerie to wake up to. Anyways, we both freaked, grabbed our stuff, and basically ran back down the mountain. <laughs> 